Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, Lenten Preaching Edition, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. One thing you should know about me that wasn't in the bio is that I always find the fun. I always find the fun. Last night we had a very fun time. We had a live podcast recording with myself and one of the previous guests for this series, Caitlin Curtis. And before I even stepped out the door to come here, I remember setting my intention that that joy would be part of this. And sure enough, Caitlin was absolutely delightful. Heidi did a fantastic job facilitating that conversation. You should listen to it when it is available. But I've always been like that. Uh, I, I, my first career was a middle school teacher. And as I was transitioning from teacher to principal, they had a, a five-week principal prep boot camp. And you had to go back to school again. And I was probably the worst student in that program. Uh, The last thing I wanted to do was sit through lectures and more content in the summer. The sun is shining, all of this stuff. So I would, you know, do mature things like wad up paper and throw it at people and pass notes. And we're supposed to be leading the next generation of students. And also, I think a lot of people are surprised, given my work in racial justice, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the movies or read a lot of the books uh, that, that talk about racism or slavery or segregation. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, I do this all day, every day. I study it when I have time for entertainment. I don't want to do work, so I don't watch that stuff. The other thing is probably I'm a little immature and I don't want to dwell with the sad feelings and whatnot. Don't worry, I'm in therapy. We're getting through it. So Lent, because I always find the fun, has always been a difficult season for me. And I grew up Catholic. I was never baptized Catholic, but I went to Catholic schools K through 8 and then again in college. And let me tell you something, Catholics do Lent very well. Everything from the candles and the incense and the music and the moody lighting. I mean, it was weighty. It was somber. And it was not my style. And yet we're called to remember Lent and commemorate Lent. But I got to find the fun. Jamar, where is the fun in Lent? A season when we are called for 40 days to remember the crucifixion of Jesus. Where is the fun in Jesus being betrayed by one of his closest friends? Where's the fun in Jesus being arrested and unjustly imprisoned? Where's the fun in Jesus being stripped naked before prying eyes eager for a spectacle? Where's the fun And Jesus' nerves flaring to life as nails were driven through his flesh. Where's the fun in hanging on a cross, slowly suffocating under the weight of the body that he himself took on to be with us? 
Where's the fun in that? Well, I'm so thankful that somehow Jesus found the fun, or better yet, the happy, in the midst of that suffering. I, I know you don't believe me, but you don't have to take my word for it. Jesus himself told us this in our passage today. Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Now, how does that work, Jesus? Tell us more about this blessing that comes in the midst of persecution because I saw what happened to you and I saw what you are calling us into and it don't look fun. So how does this work? Well, let's talk about the passage and, and let's break it down a little bit. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. When you hear that word blessed, I think it's become so used that we've become numb to its meaning, right? Somebody sneezes, we say, bless you. In the South, somebody does something silly and we say, bless your heart. So we may not understand the sort of biblical spiritual significance of this word blessed. But when you look it up in the theological dictionaries and the translations, another word for blessed is what? Happy. Happy. Happy are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. You can look at different Bible translations and this can come out even more clearly. So verse 10, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. But in the New Living Translation, it goes on to say, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. And listen at this, verse 12. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Be happy about it about being in the midst of persecution. I'm so glad that Jesus can find the fun too. But there's more that we can glean from this word blessed. I asked around to some of my pastor friends who speak from pulpits for a living and they're experts and I say, how do you interpret that word blessed? And one, one person replied, well, it's favored. To be favored by God. Favored are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then another one of my friends answered and said this, that, that, that blessing means it refers to God's power to create the conditions of flourishing, namely fruitfulness and multiplication. And he goes back and he says, the first time we see blessing in the Bible is in the book of Genesis where God blesses animals and calls them to be fruitful and multiply. And so as we think about this word blessed, we could say that blessed means to be in the context of flourishing, 
Blessed means to be in the context of flourishing. So what if we translated our passage with that meaning? Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. What about this? You are in the context of flourishing when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Well, that brings a whole new depth of meaning, doesn't it? You are in the context of flourishing when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, let's, let's talk about persecution. Just, just a word on it. Because I, 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 I'm on the internet too much. And I see how Christians be acting. Now, I don't mean just in terms of integrity, but I mean in terms of concepts like persecution and suffering. A lot of Christians today, we get all squeamish and squirrely talking about suffering. Why? Because, because we don't want to make it to seem like suffering in and of itself is a good thing. And I think that's a right impulse. But then we sort of swerve and avoid and don't try to talk as if suffering and persecution don't exist. The other thing we try to do is we try to make sure that, that, that people understand God is not the author, author of suffering. God does not delight in suffering. And that's true indeed. But I'm afraid in, in, in trying to be very sensitive about persecution and suffering, we don't actually talk about it well. We don't actually talk about it much at all. Much less do we understand it in the context of something like this passage that there might even be blessing in persecution, which is different than saying that persecution is the blessing. That's not the same thing. That's not what the Bible's talking about. But I'm a historian and, 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 and there's something about the Christians of old who endured suffering, who endured persecution, who got this better than we might get it today. They got the fact that there's going to be suffering. They got the fact that there's going to be persecution. But they also got the fact that Jesus doesn't leave us alone in the middle of it. And that's kind of hard, I think, for us to grasp as we tiptoe around negative and evil and suffering and persecution. And by the way, it says, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Why? For righteousness sake. So Jesus is being very particular here, right? A, a, a lot of people think they're being persecuted when really you're just being a jerk. <laughs> you're being mean. You're being petty. And, you, and people push back and they don't like it. And they say, oh, we're being persecuted. No, that's not, that's not what this is talking about. It's also important to realize that, that, that even with persecution, there are degrees of persecution, right? We have Christian brothers and sisters around the world and, and people in faith communities around the world who cannot legally practice their faith, who have to go into hiding, who have their houses of worship destroyed and, and land confiscated and jobs lost and all of those kinds of things. They may even face physical violence because of their beliefs, that's persecution. But there are other forms of persecution. The, the, the passage goes on to say, blessed are you when you're persecuted and, and, and they say all sorts of evil things about you. They mock you and they lie about you. Back to that old internet. There's a lot of that going around today. 
accusations and name-calling and mocking for people who would stand up for righteousness and justice in our day. That, too, is a form of persecution. But hear me clearly, persecution is not the blessing. Suffering in and of itself is not good. The persecution and the suffering come because the kingdom of heaven is clashing with the kingdom of the world. And so what you got to understand is that until thy kingdom come fully, there's going to be this clash of kingdoms. And if you stand for the kingdom of heaven, you will come into conflict with the kingdom of the world, and that will bring suffering and persecution. It's a byproduct of the fallen world that we live in. So, so it's not a question of if. It's just a question of when and how. And then it's a question of how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to face it when it comes? And I'm inspired by the real life example of people who, who live through suffering and persecution of various forms. A, a story just popped up in my life a few weeks ago. I got tagged on an Instagram post by a person I'd never heard of. His name is Professor Samuel Jokel. He teaches down at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. And he tagged me in a post and he, 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 he knew my story, so I think he wanted to bring it to my attention, maybe help amplify it. And he talked about what had just happened to him. He's been a professor at this university for 20 years. One day he walks out of class and his dean and provost are waiting for him after class. And they said, Professor, your contract renewal is on hold until we have a chance to review your curriculum and investigate your unit on racial justice. 20 years he's been teaching this, and he's been teaching this unit on racial justice for over a decade. And now his job is in jeopardy because of that unit. What happened was a parent of one of the students in his class heard about this racial justice unit, called the school, got a hold of the university president, and said that this professor was indoctrinating their child with critical race theory and wokeism and whatever scare word that you want to use. Now, I think to his credit, Professor Jokel went public about it. He wasn't going to let them do it in the dark. Did you know that oppression thrives in anonymity, that injustice flourishes when it's invisible? And so he went public with this. And of course, they really didn't like that. Well, the process was very short. One day, about two weeks later, Professor Sam walks into his office and everything's gone. Keyboard's gone, his monitor's gone, his computer's gone. He thinks maybe somebody has broken into his office. He emails his dean, he's like, hey, this happened. What, what's going on? He doesn't hear anything from his dean the whole rest of the day, not until the next day. His lawyer gives Professor Sam a call and he says, not only is your contract not being renewed for next year, 
but you are to cease and desist teaching right now. You can't even finish the semester. And what really broke my heart, we had a, we had a conversation about this on, on my Footnotes podcast. What broke my heart is that Professor Sam didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to his students. He was there one day and gone the next. And in this conversation that we, we had over the podcast, he said something extremely profound for someone who is going through something so disruptive. He said, and I quote, my faith has been damaged by that university. My faith has been struggling to breathe in that university. I guess, you know, I didn't want this to happen, but since it has, I'm really excited. Now that I'm free from this toxic space, I can reignite my faith. I can reconnect with what it really means to be a Christian. And then he said, now I'm in that fire and experience the blessings of that fire. Oh, this is just a real world demonstration of that verse. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Here's this professor trying to teach his students at this very conservative, overwhelmingly white Christian college about racial justice. And by the way, Professor Sam is white. He's trying to teach them about righteousness when it comes to race. And for it, he gets fired. And listen to what he says. He said, my faith has been damaged. He was in a context where it was difficult for him to be a Christian, where he felt disconnected from God. And he also said, I didn't want this to happen. Professor Sam wasn't masochistic. He wasn't running towards suffering. He wasn't skipping toward it like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. He lost his source of income. He's got two kids, almost college age. He doesn't know what he's going to do for a job going ahead. He didn't want this to happen. But then he says, but since it has. But since it has. And his attitude was this. Now that I'm in that fire, I experience, I experience the blessings that come with being in the fire. Do you have that attitude? about persecution, about suffering in your life, that I didn't ask for this, I didn't want it, I didn't want to be thrown into the fire, but now that I'm in that fire, I experience the blessings that come with being in that fire. We're here on the 100th anniversary of the Calvary Lenten preaching series, and my historian heart is all a flutter at thinking about the history of a century of this. What a milestone. And what a beautiful opportunity to look back on a long history. But, but on this 100th anniversary, I'm so inspired because they're choosing to look forward. The theme is the future of faith. And what does the next hundred years look like? And I think the future of faith is standing up for righteousness, experiencing the inevitable persecution that comes with that, but in the midst of the persecution, experiencing the blessing that God has for you. Most of my time these days is spent being a cheerleader for folks like you. 
Uh, it used to be not so long ago, 2013, 14, 15 or so, uh, more, let's say, conservative, right-leaning spaces would invite me just to hear me out, even if they didn't agree. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> that, that really doesn't happen anymore. Now, uh, I'm very pleased and honored to, to, to speak most often to a coalition of the willing. Folks who, who don't need to be convinced that racism isn't just a problem of the past, but an issue in the present as well. People who, who want to be part of the solution, people who want to be on the side of justice. And, and most of the time, folks ask, well, what do we do? How do we get started? How can we be effective change agents? But, but what I've found is that we don't have a how-to problem, we have a want-to problem. That most of the issue is not what to do, it's will you do it? And when I, when I come to, to, to speak and, and to encourage people, I go to passages like this. Because so often what keeps us for, from standing up for righteousness is the danger there. It's the discomfort there. It's the uncertainty there. It's the fact that we're actually going to have to exercise faith because we don't know what's going to happen if we say the thing or do the thing or have the conversation or confront the person. We don't quite know, but we do have this inkling that it's not going to be pleasant, that we could lose our jobs, that we could lose relationships, that we could lose church members, whatever it might be. And, and, and to that I say, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. Y'all, I got one message in, 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 in every kind of pulpit I enter. I only got one sermon, which is that there is a sweetness, a nearness, an authenticity of Jesus that you will not experience unless you are standing up for righteousness and are in the midst of persecution. It's not God glorifying persecution. It's God saying, you're in the fire, but I'm going to be with you in the fire. And I know you don't believe me just to read it. You got to act. You got to do it. Guess what? You got to do this thing they call living out the faith. So what is the future of faith? It's finding the fun. It's understanding that, that, that when you stand up for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, as Jesus says in Matthew 25, there will be persecution, there will be suffering. But in the midst of it, you experience the happiness of God. You are in the midst of the context of flourishing, and you are blessed. That's how we find the fun in Lent. That's how we experience the blessing that comes with standing up for righteousness. And that is the future of our faith. Amen? Amen. Dialogue is a podcast of Calvary's Lenten preaching series, a 100-year-old tradition that invites wise and inspiring speakers into our pulpit during the season of Lent. Dialogue is produced by Noah Glenn of Perpetual Motion. Our theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator. And thanks to you for listening. 
If you're curious about the home of dialogue in the Lenten preaching series, Calvary Episcopal Church is an eclectic bunch of Christian people. We don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into a beloved community marked by unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to Dialogue at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.